the panel of peril rolled into the station. The man in the tall hat wasn't very happy with the panel, as they had spoiled the movie Yellow Submarine. He sent them to the shed to think about what they'd done. Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect film's most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Adam, a.k.a. The Cinemaster, and this week's film is the psychedelic Yellow Submarine. So, dear listeners, some kind of solitude is measured out in you. You think you know me, but you haven't got a clue. Let's get diabolical. Greetings and welcome to this week's pod. Joining me, as usual, are my friends and fellow podcasters in their guise as the panel of peril. So, my dudes, please introduce yourselves and tell us what is your favourite film that was inspired by a song? Hi, Ben here. My favourite film that I think was inspired by a song is Dazed and Confused. It is a Led Zeppelin song, okay, but it stars Matt McConaughey. That was his first film. Yeah, all right, uh-huh. all right, all right. Maddie, uh-huh. Maddie McConaughey. Matt McConaughey. Well, he was fucking yeah. buddy. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hi, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that Days and Confused was the film that gave Matthew McConaughey his big break. Ben Affleck's in it. Jason London, Mila Jovovich. They're all in it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Never actually seen it. They're all there. Yeah. <laughs> One of Tarantino's faves. Oh, is it? I really like it. Yeah, it's just a great coming of age story. Right, Gaz. I'm Gaz, and I have a funny made up answer and a real answer. Which would you like first? Can we have the real answer first and then the funny one afterwards, please? Okay. My real film based on a song that I like was, I think it was called You Can't Touch This. An MC Hammer straight to video film, which was oh, wow. rather like, wow. yeah, rather like the film we're talking about. The entire album's worth of songs with a flimsy plot wrapped around it. It was sort of about him rescuing his local church because he's a big Christian rapper, MC Hammer, wasn't he? So that that's my favourite. I watched that wow. a lot on VHS back in the day. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I assume. I must have seen it then, because you would have put it on while I was there, almost definitely. Oh, yeah. I think James Brown might cameo in it as well. They might have a dance-off at some point. Wow. Are you sure this isn't the made-up answer and you've just confused yourself? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, this is real. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. My funny made-up one is Clear and Present Danger, starring Harrison Ford which was based on When I'm Cleaning <laughs> Windows by George Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> turned out nice again. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Craig? Uh, Craig here, and I did some light Google research into films based on songs, <laughs> and I couldn't find any good ones. So I'm going to say that my favourite is Boogie Nights, which uh, mm. 
is named after a song, even if the mm-hmm. events depicted within it are not inspired by the lyrics of the song, which are Boogie Nights and I think some boo, other boo, lyrics. Boo, 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 <laughs> but I do love Boogie Nights. Ditto. Yes, yes, yes. In a similar fashion to you, I went down a rabbit hole with this film and I couldn't drag myself away from looking at it. I'm going to say my favourite song-based film is Yellow Submarine for that purpose. Not yesterday, the Richard, what's his fucking name? Mr. Bean guy. What's he called? Rowan Atkinson. No, the writer, Richard Curtis. Yellow Submarine is an animated musical film released in 1968, inspired by the music of the Beatles. Directed by George Dunning and produced by Al Brodax, Yellow Submarine did not feature the actual voices of the Beatles. Instead, voice actors were used to portray the Beatles' characters in the film. The Beatles themselves were not keen on the film at the time, with George Harrison remarking, The thing I like most about the movie was that we didn't really have to do anything with it. The film had a modest budget of approximately $1 million, but went on to become a huge international hit, grossing around $30 million worldwide. Its legacy extends beyond its box office success, as Yellow Submarine is celebrated for its innovative animation techniques, avant-garde design, and its role for popularising animation as a medium for adult audiences, not to mention a timeless soundtrack. But what do we think? I'm very afraid to ask. (laughs) Gas, as the only non-Beatles fan among us, did it fill you with love, 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 or was it all too much? I wouldn't say I'm not a Beatles fan. I'm not a a Beatle maniac. But I've certainly <laughs> got the White Album and Sergeant Peppers and um, Revolver, I think. Oh, sorry. I didn't know that. I, I retract that previous statement. I fully retract that and apologise to you. Yeah, you should. You should. And accept. <laughs> I, didn't th- I didn't think you were a fan at all. <laughs> my sister was a massive fan growing up. My sister Zoe. So I was a big fan of Hard Day's Night, the film, and Help. Yeah. But what I would say is last week's film, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I think for a four-hour film, it goes by quite quickly. In contrast, mm. this week's film for a 90-minute film feels in excess of four hours to me trying to get through it. <laughs> 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 I thought it was kind of like an ITV mid-afternoon budget animation. I didn't like the animation style, the designs. <laughs> I'll be honest, you're probably going to have to fill in a lot of gaps for me <laughs> as to what actually happened. <laughs> That's all right. My attention was drifting constantly. I doubt you missed anything, to be honest. No, no. I don't really like the cheeky chappy humour that they had in the script in this one. What works in mm. A Hard Day's Night and Help didn't work in this for me. Some of the voice acting is bizarre, like the way the blue meanie mm. whispers really, really quietly and then shouts. It's like, it's just, yeah. it just sounds like a pedo <laughs> or something. It's weird. And not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way. Yes. So my, my letterbox review is one star, a one word review, which said garbage. Ah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Can't say fair enough. Craig. Well, look, there's a reason that people call this like a, a timeless classic and a huge step for animation. 
And I haven't got a fucking clue what that reason is. Because uh... <laughs> I thought it was going to be the only one. <laughs> Gaz said that it, it felt like a drag to me. It felt like a drag. It felt like it took ages. Uh, I usually make two pages of notes for this. I made six mm-hmm. lines of notes because I just didn't oh have anything God. else to comment okay. on about it. <laughs> um, the animation style isn't anything revolutionary. It's just Terry Gilliam, Monty Python, interstitials dragged mm. out a bit. Some of the sequences I thought were fantastic, and I'm sure we'll have a special section for that because we have them for mm-hmm. the past you know, year. But a lot of it I just felt was just uh, filler and it doesn't really have a story to speak of and the, the sections of it that deal with the story I felt were quite dull. It's got a very irritating Tom Bombadil style character in it. <laughs> the nowhere man. Little poor little Jeremy. Jeremy, that's the yeah, Jeremy Boom, whatever his fucking name is. <laughs> the Gemery like, voiced. It was very clear that there were a lot of reused animations in it, which I thought was very cheap for a feature film. Mm-hmm. And it's just got it's got some weird editing in it as well. Some of it I thought was fantastic and on its own, I would have really enjoyed it. Like if it was shorter, probably I think I would have enjoyed it. And I think some of the humor hits, mm-hmm. but there's a sequence in it where they literally just count to 60. And my note for that is <laughs> they're literally counting to 60. This is a new low. <laughs> <laughs> the lowest point in film so far. <laughs> the longest minute. <laughs> I should have named the film the longest minute. <laughs> That neatly to you, Ben. Yeah, so this was my first watch through for probably a couple of decades. So I was really excited to exercise the lingering sense that Yellow Submarine is a bit boring. Uh, That seemed to be a hangover from when I watched it in my heathen youth. But sadly, it was still my prevailing feeling after this watch. Not a great deal of story. There's like a lot of forced whimsy in between the songs. But when a Beatles classic belts out, the whole thing comes to life. The animation seems to change. The energy and the presence of the Beatle does shine through. And I think this is really evident in the like the final coda when you actually get to see the Beatles. The energy is so different. Mm. And it's, it's probably the most exciting section yeah. of the film, which just makes their lack of involvement all the way through all the sadder, really. Yeah. No offense to the voice actors. They are good. And, you know, we all are fans of, Hard Day's Night in Hell. I don't think any mm. of us would claim that the Beatles are actors, especially Ringo. But <laughs> he's irresistible in Hard Day's Night in Hell. He, yeah, I love watching their performances in that because it's it's just fun and you feel like you're part of it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get that sense. Yeah, it helps my favorite of the Beatles films because I and I, it's because you get to see them interacting. Mm. I think that's that's what the film missed was mm. was their energy mm. really. And there's a reason why they're so beloved. It's because they've got this special. chemistry i suppose so i give it it's not among the beatles greatest achievements but if you love bright colors and exceptional music it's worth a watch out of five (laughs) very nice that puts it somewhere on on the board somewhere somewhere there (laughs) again unsurprisingly i'd probably take a, a pinch of everything you've all said there i've probably got the fondest memories of seeing it can't remember how old it was but i remember watching it and then it's having an impact on me some way and then and when i watched it again a week ago or so yeah it's it's definitely lessened but at the same time i was like well 
I wonder what this has inspired and things like that. And then what was the story behind it and things like that. So this was like the third Beatles film to come out and it was there. They were contractually obligated to do this film, which is why they had a hands-off approach about it all. And that's why they weren't really involved with it and they didn't really want to be involved with it. And they were just doing it as a, I guess it's like when they, when you record an album, it's like a best of album, isn't it? Sort of thing. And they just, you just Mm. do that to fulfill a contract then you're out of the contract and that's, it's done. But then I wondered about the Monty Python. We said about Monty Python and stuff. Yeah. So I wonder what if, if that was it. But Terry Gilliam was doing stuff at the same time as Yellow Submarine. And in fact, his story time series came out in 1968. So it was running parallel to that. So he was go off in his direction. Um, and then people that were influenced by Yellow Submarine would do continue off on theirs. But yeah, there's some wonderful sequences and stuff in it. And like Ben said, when when the songs songs come yeah. on, then it, you're instantly drawn back in. Yeah, there's just loads of little there's loads of little bits I like. The fact that Idleman, who is the uh, the chief animator, he took the designs for the Beatles from what he remembered from the Strawberry Fields Forever promo video. So he just thought about them, how they were dressed in that, and then basically animated them and put them in the film so that's what you see on screen so there's loads of little things like that and then we'll get into some of the rest but yeah I've, it's not like say the finest moment but i still have a very warm place in my heart for it I asked you all for some trivia or from little information or whatever you'd like to chip in. There's no yeah or mayor this week. So I'm going to call this section, show me what you got. So Ben, show me what you got. Well, the Yellow Submarine soundtrack that's accompanied the film features six songs by the Beatles. And then the rest of the tracks are all instrumental pieces composed by Mm -hmm. George Martin. Of those six tracks, Yellow Submarine and All You Need Is Love had been released previously as singles. Harrison's Only a Northern Song had previously mm. been rejected. He'd uh, pitched it for Sgt. Pepper. Another one of those songs was Hey Bulldog, which John Lennon described as a good-sounding song that meant <laughs> nothing. He basically said he shat it out one day. <laughs> stuck it in. And then, yeah, Paul McCartney describes All Together Now as just a throwaway mm. as well. Didn't mean much to him. And so... I think even with the soundtrack that accompanies the film, it just highlights how much contempt they had for this film. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Right. Thank you very much for your trivia. Much obliged. Gaz, would you like to go next? Yes. I was tasked with collating trivia on producer Al Brodax. Mm. He's quite an interesting fellow. Yes. It's taken the form of a quiz, as I've normally done. Oh, good. One, two... (laughs) It'd be quite funny if you didn't bother finding out the answers to this, and this is your way of palming off your research. <laughs> there you are. I wrote the questions down, and then I think a couple of hours later, I was like, shit, I didn't write the answers, so close. <laughs> <laughs> are any of the questions, what are your favourite elements of producer, whatever his name is, face? Who is producer Al Brodax? <laughs> And what else has he produced? Many things to many people. <laughs> Can you name a word that rhymes with Brodax? <laughs> I think you can't. Brodax. 
Kodaks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I stand corrected as a man in the orthopedic shoes. <laughs> okay, question number one. True or false, Al Brodak studied American classics at the University of Wisconsin of Southern California or Texas A&M? Say true or false. He started true or false. false. <laughs> what? <laughs> For those three, three options. False. Craig saying false. True. Uh, I'd say trolls. <laughs> ben saying true and Cinemaster saying false. It is false because he studied English literature. Um. <laughs> <laughs> True or false? Al Brodax found difficulty in having the script for Yellow Submarine accepted by Brian Epstein due to the colour of the binders that they were presented in, the scratch and sniff cards which housed the smell of farts and spiders, or the situation <laughs> abroad. <laughs> True. Oh, true. true. The answer is the binders. So we'll say that's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and final question you'll be glad to know. True or false? Al Brodax was arrested and convicted of regicide, necrophilia, or shoplifting? True. Uh, false. What is necrophilia? <laughs> The the act of uh, loving a former person. No, no, I'm answering in a Jeopardy style. Ah, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the you know what's the the game show where they where Jeopardy. they um, Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, Jeopardy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did just say it. So I thought you said Japanese. <laughs> a Japanese style. I'm answering in a Japanese <laughs> That's what style. I thought you said a Japanese style. <laughs> well, is it true or is it false? The answer to all of the above is false. Categorically oh. false for any lawyers listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, interesting guy, Al Brodax, then. <laughs> I feel like I know him less now. <laughs> the middle one was correct, as in uh, an actual fact. No, the top one was as well. He studied English literature at the University of Wisconsin. Not American oh. classics. Did he produce any other films? He also, he was the producer for the not very well received at all Beatles TV animated series in the US. Mm. Right. Craig, dazzled delighted I was tasked with investigating the abandoned remake of Yellow Submarine, uh, which was reported by Variety in August 2009 that Disney and Robert Zemeckis were planning to make a mocap version of the film. I remember that. Now. And that was confirmed by Apple Corps uh, in, on, on 9-11, on September 11th, 2009. How ironic. That absolutely evidently fell through, but here's some interesting information about what we could have had. Mm. So uh, the cast, for a start, Peter Serafinowicz was cast as Paul. Mm. Dean Lennox Kelly, who you may know from Shameless, and he also played Shakespeare in Doctor Who, yeah. was going to voice John. <laughs> Carrie Ells was going to be George. And a fella named Adam Campbell, who was in Epic Movie and Date Movie, was going to play Ringo. The real interesting casting news, from my perspective, was Chief Blue Mini, which uh, David Tennant was in talks to play. Oh, wow. That would have been good. And uh, he was one of the first people to, I think, leak that the movie had been derailed. He went on the Paul O'Grady chat show. And Paul O'Grady asked him 
uh, if he if the rumors were true that he was going to be playing the Chief Bumini, and he simply replied, "I don't think that's happening anymore. I think that movie's <laughs> gone away." <laughs> so uh, Disney was was hoping to release the film in time for the 2012 Summer Olympics in London, mm. which was a time when, believe it or not, British people were not ashamed to be British for about you know <laughs> six six or seven weeks. Yeah, it was all right for that. I remember it was quite quite nice. Yeah, the film would have been really well received in amongst the likes of the, you know, the Bond Queen tribute and, you know, whatever the fuck Brian May did and <laughs> and your man Ken Branner doing Brunel and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I think Yellow Submarine would have gone down really well. But, you know, yeah, we did get Mr. Bean playing Chariots of Fire and that was fucking great. I, I you know, <laughs> still stand up and salute that now. <laughs> Just to tell you a couple of things, so that this interior of the submarine concept arc heavily resembles the, the TARDIS console room. Most of the concept designs are hideous. Uh, they've been described variously <laughs> as, as nightmare fuel. Imagine like realistic <laughs> depictions of creatures uh, with mouths in their stomachs and it's just like Cenobite country. It's, it's bizarre. Mm. Don't know who they were planning on marketing this film to. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't get made, put it that way. Oh, very good. Thank you very much, Three. And I should just give you a couple of quick little movie trivia. Gerald Potterton, who is a three-time Oscar-nominated animator, who was responsible for the structure and layout of the Liverpool City scene during Ellen Rigby, went on to direct his own cult animated classic, which was 1981's Heavy Metal. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, right. So, some, some big... Things happened out of this movie. And also one of the Simpsons uh, producers, Josh Weinstein, said that... Look out for the campy drawing of Queen Victoria. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> In The Last Temptation of Homer, where he has the insanity chilies. Oh, yeah. The bit where he goes to the top of the pyramid is a scene directly taken out of the Yellow Submarine, as he said to one of the animators at the time, I'll make it like the George Harrison bit in Yellow Submarine. And apparently there was a lot of animators working on The Simpsons at the time who were big fans of Yellow Submarine and knew exactly what he did. And that's where that some of those sequences came from. Ah. Did we discuss heavy metal in one of the episodes? Because I feel like I remember it coming up in research for something. Maybe Blade Runner. I know we've talked about Gaz's love of heavy metal on multiple occasions. Oh, I bloody love it. <laughs> The music genre, though, not the film. You sound like a blue meanie. Oh, I bloody love it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's move on to favourite sequences. Who's going to start us off? Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby. It's amazing. It's the best part. The animation is, it just really comes to life. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's that that shot where it drops down and it, and it sort of goes three D, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's a it's the sunrise, isn't it? And then it drops down above the buildings, and you're like, yeah, whoa, and you think that is maybe that's gonna t- the film will go down that route, but it doesn't. <laughs> no, sadly not. So, Gaz, how about you? What's your favourite sequence? Uh, the end credits. <laughs> did you like the coda at the end the little yeah, flash of the beatles yeah, yeah. themselves ringo particularly is very good in that sequence he's like sort of mm. marching on the spot doing a weird little jig <laughs> the entire way through uh, yeah very funny probably people disagree but i think he's probably got the most comedic chops out of all of them really he seems to have a, a good wit about him and a good 
vibe for being comedic at points, isn't he? Uh, especially when you see him in interviews and things like that. He seems to be... I saw a funny tweet from Ringo today. Sorry, this is a slight tangent again. A funny tweet yeah. from 2012. It's directed at Kanye West. All caps, peace and love. Please stop tweeting me, Kanye. Peace and love. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Ringo is now for Yorkshire. Gruff <laughs> yeah. North Yorkshire accent. I think that was one of the things that came out of Get Back was just what a lovely guy mm-hmm. he was and what he put yeah. up with from the rest of them. Fair play to him. I think that's why they sent him to Paul's house with the legal papers. Poor old Ringo. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, just lent, <laughs> just lent on him until he decided to do it. <laughs> that was a bad, bad thing. Bit of a fashion faux pas with that PVC red coat of his, but apart from that. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say the same as uh, both you two. Um, I loved that Ellen, Ellen Rigby sequences. Yeah. That drop shot of the, of the tops of the buildings. Brilliant. Yeah. Your favourite lines? Meanies only take no for an answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only one I've got written down. The rest of it, I don't know. Have you? Okay. My favourite one is, I think it's not long after, is it uh, Fred finds Ringo and he gets him to pull the lever. That's mine. Can't help it. I'm a born lever puller. It's like a line out of Hard Day's Night. That's what I love about it. Fantastic. Yeah. Gaz? Do you have any favourite lines? I'm going to go ahead and say no. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that. Yes, that's absolutely fine by me. So, Master, would now be a good time for me to introduce my original joke about the film? Yeah, absolutely. Would you want to, do you want to give it a title so you can jazz it up in your editing? Maybe I will. Ben's joke about the film. Film. film, film. <laughs> Do a bit of echo there. <laughs> right. Why couldn't Ringo sing? I don't know. Don't know. Why, why couldn't Ringo, Ringo sing? sing? Because he blew a meanie. Absolutely filthy. <laughs> Before you told that joke, I was really worried that I was going to have to edit last week's joke back in. But now that you've done this week's joke, I think we can just edit this one out as well. Keep it consistent. <laughs> <laughs> this is my episode, baby. I am going to be editing that joke in several times. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in instead of the uh, music in between sections. <laughs> Right then, before we get stuck into the plot, I have a pod that I would like to recommend to you. If you're enjoying the episode so far and feel like diving deeper into all things Beatles, then look no further than the excellent Nothing Is Real Beatles podcast. Hosts Jason and Stephen offer a thoroughly researched, informative, but also a really entertaining look at the Fab Four and much, much more than you'd actually think. I can honestly say it's my favourite podcast and I can't recommend the guys highly enough. You like it better than this one? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't have to talk with three twats every week. (laughs) (laughs) Why couldn't Ringo sing? 
because he blew a meanie. The blue meanies drained Pepland of all colour, joy and music, effectively turning into a dull, lifeless wasteland. They freeze the inhabitants into stone statues, silencing the music, banning musical instruments and spreading fear and misery across the land. And at first, this surprise attack is quite successful, isn't it, Greg? Well, what I would say is that before the Blue Meanies got to Pepperland, it was already quite dull. (laughs) 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 They obviously, they turn everybody to stone. There's no music. There's there's no colour. Their failing is not executing that submarine captain, which is what I... Yeah. I'm not saying that's what I've done in my plan, but realistically, the first thing I would have done is execute the submarine captain and then drain the colour and stuff. Ah, but listen, Craig, he wasn't a submarine captain at the beginning. He was assigned that later on in the film, during the attack. Yeah, but given that time travel exists in this world, I'd know he was going to become a submarine captain and I'd execute him accordingly. I think anything goes in this world, which is why the plans should be suitably so. I was thinking this week is writing Gaz's wheelhouse because you can say any (laughs) old shit. Absolutely (laughs) the most bizarre stuff. (laughs) <laughs> he usually does well I've written half a plan and I'm going to wing the rest so it should be uh... oh shit <laughs> oh good I'm looking forward to that so Gaz then what do you think of the Blue Meanies plan eh, you know it's uh... <laughs> garbage it, it is what it is they, uh, <laughs> they do the thing and then they get defeated <laughs> all you needed was love that's the takeaway <laughs> Did you notice the parallels between the plot of the Blue Meanies and and Neil in Heat? (laughs) You've got to be ready to walk away at any given moment. (laughs) And they weren't ready to walk away, were they? Suckers. Nope. (laughs) Just like Neil. (laughs) So how's it scoring on the old broccoli system there, Ben? Is that all I'm good for, is it? Hey, you made your bed, now lay in it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Keep it short and sweet, please. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear thoughts. <laughs> Put me in the corner. You just wheel me out when you want a number. You can summarise your thoughts before you implement your broccoli system. That is acceptable to me. Yes. All right. Well, you know it's your classic invasion, isn't it? Textbook, really. You got your storm bloopers. You got your apple bonkers. Your countdown clowns, which are <laughs> genuinely scary. You know the ones yeah. that kind of oh, just yeah. spin their head. Fucking go, horrid. Yeah, they're pretty freaky. You got your butterfly stompers, your hidden persuaders, your snapping turtle turks, your jack the nippers, and you got your sucker fun, which John Lennon claims he created and then was angry uh, yeah. that he didn't get credit for, yeah. even though he didn't yeah. want anything to do with the film. Anyway, like I say, classic invasion. They didn't do much to deal with the Beatles coming. It would have been pretty easy to wipe them out because they're all a bit of a clueless bunch of chances. Yeah. So I'll give them five florets of broccoli for the initial invasion but zero they get no mm. bonus broccoli for for what they mm. did after but no deductions does that affect the score do you still stay at five for the initial invasion you don't take anything off them five for the initial invasion and they get to keep that that's safe that's in the bank <laughs> <laughs> why couldn't ringo sing Because he blew a meanie. 
The Beatles defeat the Blue Meanies through the power of music, creativity and love. They play their music, including iconic Beatles songs, which has a transformative effect on the Blue Meanies and their leader, the Chief Blue Meanie. The power of the music breaks the Meanie's hold on Pepperland, causing them to become overwhelmed with joy and colour, ultimately restoring Pepperland to its vibrant, lively state. But can we do any better? Craig, let's hear your plot, please. The lads have made it to Pepperland, and they're already starting to turn drab to fab. Oh no, says the chief blue meanie, as he asks rhetorically, what are we going to do? <laughs> His majordomo, Max, responds, if Ab Ford wouldn't be so fab if they didn't have each other, what we need is a real mixer. Call it the Yoko Factor. <laughs> The chief Blumini strikes Max very roughly with his jagons right in the mush. <laughs> jagons, yes. <laughs> Quiet, you moron! Yoko isn't responsible for the Beatles' future split. She's just going to be a convenient scapegoat. It's very clear that Paul will feel the need to step into a managerial role to fill the gaping hole left by the passing of Brian Epstein that will inevitably lead to feelings of division and resentment as he tries to be both friend and parent to the rest of the group. <laughs> I know all this because, as you know, time travel is possible in this world. No, <laughs> what's needed here is a real mixer. And so, the chief meanie enlists Paul's grandfather, Old Man Steptoe, and gives him some poison <laughs> to drip into their ears. But metaphorical poison, not literal poison. First, the very clean, dirty old man sidles up to little George. Here, Georgie, he says. Don't you feel a little bit disrespected around here? Oh, how do you mean like? Polly never wants to put your songs on the big albums, does he, Georgie? I bet some of yours get shoved onto the soundtrack for this silly little cartoon. Yeah, but that's just the nature of being part of a group. If you say so, Georgie, I think you've got a real talent and you're stuck in the shadow of his ego. George slumps, deflated, for a bit of a think, as Paul's grandfather slinks up beside John. Hello, Johnny. Aren't you sick of compromising your artistic desires and sharing songwriting credits with Paul? Him with his granny shit? Yes, I'd literally rather make music with that racist fascist anti-vaxxer Clapton than spend another minute singing, Oh, bloody blah, fucking doo <laughs> John crosses his arms and looks cross as the old bastard slithers up behind Ringo. Ringo, Paul says you're a cunt. <laughs> oh no, that's not very peace and love, laments Ringo, seeking comfort in some gear he has in his pockets. <laughs> With only Paul left, the mixer is free to swagger up beside his grandson. Hello, Polly, he says. <laughs> oh, hi, Grandad, says Paul lightly shaking his head. Here, you haven't been mixing, have you? <laughs> How dare you? Of course not. But those bandmates of yours have been saying awful things about you. <laughs> they said if you try to release a solo album, they're going to get Philip Spector to produce the final Beatles album and try to rush it out before yours. And they said they're going to put some meat in your bed. <laughs> With that, the Beatles are no more 
and they play no music to restore Pepperland, instead taking separate grey submarines back home to the house they live in together, including Das Boot and Troy Tempest sub from Stingray, Stingray. (laughs) Once home, they awkwardly continue to cohabit, but never to collaborate again. (laughs) Why are they still cohabiting? Are they not all feminine with each other? They live together. They've got the scratch, haven't they, to move out of the Beatles? They've got the scratch to live separately before, but they choose to live together, and that's just the way it is. Okay. (laughs) John's got a sweet bed in the floor he doesn't want to leave behind. How did they recruit the very clean, dirty old man? That's Paul's grandfather. He's very clean, isn't he? He's very clean. (laughs) How did the Blue Meanies recruit him? Well, they just did with the power of time travel, and they went out to Liverpool, which Mm. you can get to from there. Apparently. (laughs) Probably in a grey submarine. And then they time-travelled back to the point when the Beatles arrived with Paul's grandfather. They used the grace of Marine and time-travel. That's how. I like the way that you laid a few breadcrumbs <laughs> for us to follow the old time-travel earlier in the episode. <laughs> and you just wham us with it. Well, it's a big part of the plot in the movie, isn't it? They get big beards. And, yeah. yeah, it is huge, yeah. Was your depiction of the, the granddad based on Pennywise the Clown? A little bit. Him saying Georgie, yeah. But I think he does call <laughs> yeah. George Georgie in A Hard Day's Night. He does call Paul Paulie, doesn't he? He does yeah, call for Paul sure, Paulie, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did like the added bits of the film into there, so I appreciate that, yeah. Gaz, any questions? I thought it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Very neatly done. Tied up with a neat little bow. It's probably the best one so far. Yeah, definitely the best one, yeah. Very good. I think we shall have Gaz. Who did you say? Gaz. Oh, me. <laughs> Here we go. Don't be looking for, for details relating to the film in this one, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Meanies are going to be making ample use of the flying glove monsters in this particular plan by me, Gareth Rhys Slade. Their task is to take out the two Beatles, because as we all know, the band is comprised of John Paul George. Plus Ringo. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. And the flying glove monsters have got the Beatles. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next, they kill them. John Paul George is first. <laughs> the method of dispatch is via pyramid. Yes, you heard me right. I said pyramid. If you heard correctly that time, then congratulations. <laughs> if you didn't hear me correctly, then for clarity once more, I would like to say... <laughs> Death by Pyramid. And that's what I've written up to. So Death by Pyramid is like a medieval torture method where a smallish pyramid uh, is placed upon the floor and a person has their arms and legs tied in ropes and splayed sidewards. And then they're slowly lowered bars first oh. onto the point of the pyramid. <laughs> so it, it pierces all the way through their body. <laughs> So that's John Paul George gone. Ouch. Then the second of the two Beatles, Ringo, is taken out by a slightly different method, whereby uh, he is covered in honey and yogurt from top to bottom, nude, I should add. And then he's taken out to a swamp, tied to a pike. Can we just linger (laughs) on that image for a minute? It's rather delicious, isn't it? Mm. (laughs) He's taken out to a swamp and simply 
eaten to death by mosquitoes. Yeah. And that that's it. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, straight off the bat, how many glove monsters do you see in Yellow Submarine? One. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, with two beetles. How many beetles were there, famously? <laughs> that's, that's a tough ask, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> There's the homunculus beetle, John Paul George. Yeah. And Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite a big glove, isn't it? I reckon it could s- grab them both like uh, Mr. Hand in uh, Super Smash Brothers and just mm. carry them both. It would, it could tie up John Paul George first, like spread eagled, and just leave him there. Then it could coat Ringo in the honey and yogurt and zip him off to the swamp and then come back to Pyramid John Paul George. Can you try tying someone up with one hand? <sighs> Not lately. <laughs> Vaguely sexy innuendo from gas. <laughs> One more question that is going to blow your plan out of the water. Uh-oh. I posit that being coated in honey and yogurt rather than attracting mosquitoes would actually protect you from them. Mm. Only little, aren't they? It's a real medieval death method. And the pyramid is. <laughs> there were psychos back in the old days, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm saying the yogurt, at least, is the mosquitoes are not going to get through it. Milk and honey, it was milk and honey, wasn't it? Milk and honey, yeah. They'd make them eat and drink milk and honey loads. Then they would cover them in honey, push them on a boat out into the swamp. And then it was an awful, awful death. A slow, painful death. And therefore I win. <laughs> How big are the mosquitoes in uh, Pepperland? Ooh, uh, two times the size of a normal mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> Significantly bigger. I'm sure you'll agree. Okay, so yeah, they've got a chance of getting through. Do they make the typical buzzing, or are they slightly more musical? Uh, yeah, that let's say that they would make the sound of. You know, like when you get a scene transition in a film and someone goes on a harp. Yeah. It's that. That's the noise. That's kind of nice, I suppose. But it'd probably leave you mentally scarred for life if you heard that. Ringo can drum along to it as he dies. (laughs) There we go. Perfect. Very well. Any further questions? I take your silence as acknowledgement of my winning plan. (laughs) 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 Well... We shall see, won't we? We'll see what Ben has for us. The chief blue meanie rolled out of his station, not far from the old bandstand. He saw Max charging toward him. Sir, sir, said the underling. I spotted a hip and groovy group called the Beatles in the Sea of Holes, and they're heading this way. (laughs) Hmm. Hip and groovy? replied the chief meanie. (laughs) Hmm, that could be a problem. The long-nosed leader began to pace back and forth, back and forth. (laughs) Hmm, he said. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Oh! He! Ha, 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 ha! Ho, ho, ho! I've got it. He leapt in the air and clicked together the heels on his mismatched boots. We'll make them forget themselves, said the chief with an incorrigible grin on his incorrigible face. 
Brilliant, sir. Brilliant. The smaller meanie's brow furrowed. But how? First, we lay out the pasting table with a buffet of blue goodies. Wonderful, sir. Masterful. But what are blue goodies? <laughs> goodies, you imbecile. Goodies. Big goodies? Small goodies? Powdered goodies? <laughs> sticky goodies? Horse goodies? Sleepy goodies? Wakey goodies? Goodies! The small Amini whooped and clapped before scurrying off to prepare the pasting board and an assortment of goodies. Soon after, the beetles arrived in the drab, drab pepperland. They made their way to the storeroom at the top of the hill, past the storm bloopers, past the apple bonkers, and past the generally terrifying countdown clowns. Inside, as they searched for instruments, Ringo came across a long paint-spattered table. Look here, he said. A buffet of some description. Oh, a buffet, exclaimed John. I haven't eaten since Liverpool. In seconds, John was filling his pink little cheeks with powders, pills and pastes. Now this is right up our alley, he said, his eyes like baby blue whirlpools. Famished from the long and perilous journey to Pepperland, Paul, George and Ringo were soon powerless to resist and soon tucked in with John. And that is where our story must end. For soon after, the Fab Four became entirely chemical dependent, thinking of nothing except where their next blue hit was coming from, <laughs> which, fortunately for them, was from the pasting table set out in front of them, which the blue meanies kept well stocked until John, Paul, George and Ringo succumbed to malnutrition and starvation. So, boys and girls, if you ever find your way to the storeroom at the top of the hill in Pepperland, have a good look around, because you might find a tooth or even an old fingernail that once belonged to a world-famous beetle. So, I think what your plan is... Not questions from you! <laughs> <laughs> Silence! What your plan is, is uh, positing is that the Beatles would not make music while on drugs. <laughs> Blue goodies. Very, very, very heavy drugs. That are very boring. I'll suck for crap. Mu musical inhibitors. <laughs> uh, would they be suspicious that they were all coloured blue as well? Knowing the blue meanies are blue and they're heading to stop the, the blue meanies. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> they haven't put that together just yet. And as they're about to make the connection, oh, wait, these blue meanies are blue and these goodies are blue. Just as they're about to make the connection, they just eat the drugs and forget. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. John's straight in there because he loves drugs anyway. And he's starving. Starving. Because <laughs> some of the drugs look like chocolate eclairs. Blue, blue. chocolate eclairs. Yeah. Others look like a, a delicious sherbet. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. Blue chocolate eclairs. <laughs> mm. Well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can picture the eclairs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Not the blue sherbet. Yeah. Not the blue sherbet mm. that does exist. <laughs> blue, yeah. Blue, blue, yeah, blue sherbet. No, I can believe that. I, I think it's quite, quite good, disguising 
foodstuffs as drugs. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, that's not what you said in the plan, though, is it? You did say it was pills, powders, and pastes. It was drugs, wasn't it? Yeah, pastes. Yeah, it was clearly drugs. A smorgasbord of narcotics. Yeah, pills like pills like eclairs. Mm. Yeah, like the the general term for a donut. <laughs> or give me one of those jelly filled pills. That's what the cops say in America. <laughs> Right. Any further questions for Ben? I don't think so. My big one was I just don't see drugs putting the Beatles off making music, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. In fact, if anything, I think they'd be highly productive yeah, during that time. Could be. Yeah, if they could get some blue instruments. You would hear Tomorrow Never Knows just coming out of John's literal arsehole. <laughs> <He'd be tooting> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that because this is a bit I cut from the story, but... <laughs> <laughs> they they're about to make music. They sew up the arsehole they're, uh, <laughs> because they're so uh, they're so high. They're about to make music, but then then Ringo discovers this paste, and he goes, "Yeah, guys, try this." And they all try it, and it turns out to be a right downer, like cat. So they all they're all just about to sing, but then they just just their energy it just drops out of the room, and they just lie there. I would have found more believable if you said they found this paste that made him constipated, and they couldn't poo. Well, no, they they accidentally sit in the paste and that hardens and then they are kind of sealed up. Okay. <laughs> I think that was good thinking there. So I'm going to add the addendum, some of the drugs are downers to your plan and I will fact Well, I did, I did originally say some of horse goodies, which was a, an did. allusion to cat. I was just thinking about the arsehole sealing over like Neo's mouth in <laughs> yeah. <the> Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> right then if there are no further questions for ben i shall uh call us a taxi and get us home once upon a time in pepperland a hard day's night had fallen upon the land the blue meanies had said you can't do that to all the happy residents they couldn't twist and shout their way out of this one unfortunately they would have to carry that weight. And much like the continuing story of Bungalow Bill, nobody really knew what was happening until they were all turned to stone. However, do you want to know a secret? The Beatles were on their way to put the end to it all. How could the Blue Meanies say goodnight to the Beatles and keep Pepperland long, long, long under their wicked rule? Like dreamers do, the Blue Meanies began to come together and hatch something. A wicked plan mean Mr Mustard would have been proud of. Actually, he was the inspiration for it. However, it was Polythene Pam who actually suggested it. But she's a woman. (laughs) They couldn't claim they were not guilty after this. Tell me why we should do this, croaked the chief Blue Meanie. Well, tomorrow never knows. And after we've walked the long and winding road with a little help from my friends, we'll finally be at peace from all that rock and roll music, said the taxman. The blue meanies put on their old brown shoes and went about the device plan at approximately one after 9.09. That good morning, good morning. Moving their big cannons to the hillside. Oh, darling, what a struggle that was. Organising everyone was like a magical mystery tour. Martha, my dear, can you move that cannon over there to please please me? Thank you, girl, said the chief blue meanie. All the weapons arrayed in a world without love, 
and most importantly, blocking any access to the stash of musical instruments the Blue Meanies had rounded up. Yes, boys have done a good job. Can you dig it? Desperately wanting to turn Pepperland back into a carnival of light, the Beatles enter in their yellow submarine. I don't want to spoil the party, but come and get it, thinks the chief blues meanie. Don't bother me. As the Beatles act naturally, <laughs> they charge in, in spite of all the danger. All together now, the blue minis open up with every little thing they have. Blue bolts are flying here, there, and everywhere. Misery. The Beatles can't find a way into fortifications. They'll need Maxwell's silver hammer to crack this tough nut. I'm down. As the yellow submarine takes a beating, they turn the little craft around in retreat. She's leaving home. Run for your life, cry the victorious blue meanies. As the Beatles cry baby cry, they disappear into the Norwegian wood, knowing that they couldn't tempt this again. Not a second time. As the fool on the hill knows, his revolution has made the blue meanies free as a bird. Looking around at the smoking cannons, a smile grows across the chief blue meanie's face. As we all know, happiness is a warm gun. Bravo. <laughs> Can we do that game where, you know, you guess how many jelly beans are in a jar to guess how many Beatles songs are in that? Oh, how many references? Okay, if you all guess, then I'll, I'll count. I'm saying 23. 37. Oof. 46. Are you regretting your guess now, Gaz? <laughs> oh, he's got a guess regret. Yeah. I'm tumbling down a hole of regret. <laughs> so what, what were the guesses? 46 for me. 37 for me. 23 for me. 37, did you say, Ben? Yeah. And then what did did Gus say? Sorry, twenty three. Fucking idiot! <laughs> I'd love it if Turner just looks up and goes, "It was uh, four. <laughs> it was actually, <laughs> by my estimations, fifty three. Holy cow! Wow, that's impressive. That's yeah, good. Keep going. Looks like it took it out here. <laughs> well, I was like, uh, I don't know. You know, I just thought, well, yeah, I'll do that. And just sat with a list of all the songs and then just tried to write a story. <laughs> so you're admitting you cheated. Mm. What do you mean <laughs> I cheated? <laughs> so is, is the plan just for the, just for the Blue Minis to fortify the hill, essentially? Fortify that hill. You know, they had the, the cannons at the start, didn't they? So basically, move all the guns over there, which is the magical, you know, oh, darling, what a magical mystery tour, getting organised and all that shit. Put yeah. them on there. When the Beatles come, attack, fire, fire, the Beatles retreat and they fuck off and they know they can never come back. It worked once for them. Sure, it'll work again. Could the Beatles perform a cappella? In the film, they needed the musical instruments. And that's, that's when they, when they got those hold of those musical instruments, it was all a tits up for the Blue Meanies, didn't it? Could Ringo drum on his legs or a box? And the other three could play air guitar. Yeah. Or John could play like. He's got a mouth organ in his pocket at most times. So you've got Ringo drum on his legs, John on the mouth organ, and then Paul and George just uh, harmonising, going, Ooh! All while they're being attacked by the Blue Meanies. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> it's a bit of a distraction, isn't it? This hill uh, attack is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Some wickedly devious plans there. We had Craig's classic grandfather sewing division. We had Gaz's flying glove monster torture techniques. And we had Ben's blue picnic come drug smorgasbord. And then we had my theme. But there can only be one winner. Or two. Or three or four. Gaz, who have you voted for? I have voted for your good self, Cinemaster. Oh, thank you very much. The Cinemaster. Craig, whom have you decided to award a point to? I, although I was very impressed by your Beatles chum, I was also very impressed by someone's calm under fire in the interrogation. <laughs> I voted for Ben, and if you can see there, that's the the pretty oh, eye yeah. of Ben. Aww. There's the boobs, Ooh. and there's the mouth <laughs> having a little cheeky fag. <laughs> that looks just like me. Ben. Well, I was torn between two this week, and I suppose what swung it for me was a very clever use of the Beatles songs. So I went with the Cinemaster. Thank you very much. Good week to the Cinemaster. And I... I voted for another similarly themed Beatles plot, and I vote for Greg. You got a point. It was deserved. It was very good. As soon as you said it, it was like ah, oh, that is. It was there. It was obvious, but it wasn't at the time when I was trying to think of a plan. So I, I thought it was a bit, a bit of genius that. Mm. So, Gaz, what has that done to the scoreboard? <laughs> change this week however still in the lead with eight points is craig too shy shy hush, 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 and away. <laughs> yep that's true, that's true. <laughs> second place with five points apiece Ooh. are the cinemaster Ooh. and myself yeah. and final place some say the best place with two points is ben mm. And that neatly brings us on to who is selecting the film for next week, which is Ben. Do you want to know what it is? Nah, it's all right. No, we're just going to do the end. I was going to do the outro now and just fuck off. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Initially, I did have an animated film lined up, but I thought, let's switch that up. Let's really switch it up. Go for something with a bit of action. In fact, all the action. We're going for The Expendables 2. Oh. Two? Two. Skipping the first one. Yeah, because I want Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I want the added gravitas of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. I also want to see what Craig does with the artwork with Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's why I chose this one in particular. I'm looking forward to the blue meanie for this one. Yeah. And I'm Gal. <laughs> <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed yourselves as much as we have. If you have, please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. And don't forget to follow us so that you never miss an episode. You can also follow us across social media on at DiabolicalPod. So until next time, dear listeners, in the town where I was born... 
Let the man sail the sea, and he told us of his life in the land of submarines. So we sailed into the sun until we found a sea of green. And we lived beneath the waves in our yellow, yellow submarine. submarine. We all live in a yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. We all live in a yellow submarine. Very nice. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's go to Babyland and fuck it up a bit. <laughs> what was that? The blue meanies, you say? What the fuck is the blue meanie? Did you just see Yellow Submarine? I think I did. I think I've just encapsulated the whole film for you. Yeah, that's about the long and short of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's leave this talk for a bit anyway. <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> We're ruining the show. <laughs> I was tasked with researching the rumoured and... Uh, not rumoured. Let me start again. I was tasked... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm pissed off now because yeah. I was never contacted about playing Ringo, even though I have experience yeah. having played Ringo yeah. in the junior school farewell performance where we traveled through time. And a fine job you did too. Yeah, basically the same plot as this. What is your favorite Beatles song, Tana? It changes frequently. Yeah. What is it now? Uh, well, after this week, uh, Hey Bulldog. Idiot. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly Hey Jude. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite song is Hey Jude. Now let's move on. And this is the reason why you're wrong. A, you're ugly. B, you're deaf. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Meanies are going to be making ample use of the flying gov... <sighs> What a tragic, <laughs> tragic tale this is. The Blue Meanies are going to be... Bi- <laughs> and paste, we all know, is a, a delicious ground-down meat substitute. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Oof. Two years ago, I thought, oh, I can murder a paste buddy. And I bought some, like... Prince's. Decent, you know, Prince's paste. paste. Yeah, Prince's. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's fucking horrible. Yeah. Oh, just foul. <laughs> Once you've had pate, if you're going back to paste, you're a... Uh, yeah, lost you can't do it, can you? Yeah. You need, you need some Brussels or, yeah. you know, some kind of liver in your paste. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, Gaz and I would swap sandwiches at school. In your mouths? Yeah. Eat you a bit, and gas you a bit, and then you fucking feed each other like a parent seagull. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember Auntie Mary having a shit fit, slamming a spoon on the table to the bed. <laughs> and still to this day, I very rarely have a sandwich without crisps. 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They're the best combination. They go together like liver and onion. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mork and Mindy. <laughs> like a lime and a coconut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a northern song. Just another northern song. And how can a southerner love me when my dick's too long? <laughs> Show me what you got.